0: Why did Spider-Man do so well on his first driving test? He's a great parallel parker. (laughs) Welcome back, everyone, to Not Another Needless Sequel, where we talk movies and propose unnecessary prequels, sequels, reboots, and remakes. I am your host, Kane, and today I have with me my wife, Kelsey.
1: All right, let's do this one last time. I'm married to a man who started a podcast, and for the last three months, I've been the one and only (laughs) co-host.
0: That is right, and she will be my co-host today as we discuss twenty eighteen Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. What is going on with the Spider-Verse?
1: Well, Wilson Fisk kills Spider-Man, and Miles Morales discovers he is also a Spider-Man, and it's his journey through trying to carry out the real Peter's plans as Fisk has basically started to destroy the multiverse. And he gets help from a bunch of other Spider-Men to accomplish his dimension, Peter Parker's dying wish.
0: This movie starts off with an introduction to Peter Parker as played by Chris Pine, the Peter Parker of this universe that we open in with. One thing I did want to say is when the movie opens with like the Columbia logo and it's changing dimensions and stuff, that's so cool. Like it is the cool. opening is so good.
1: It really is good. I I actually liked the entire animation style of this movie. I remember I had you pause it. We were talking about it because um, I felt like it looked better on our TV. Like, yeah. Then you're like, you saw this in theaters, and I still think it looked better. However, um, it looked more like a comic book. I never, I don't think I ever noticed that before, and I have watched this movie tons of times. Yeah,
0: and then that was a big thing for them, trying to make it look like a comic book. But yeah, when you're in theaters, not to mention, you and me choose seats that are furthest away from the screen as we could possibly be. But. Not every theater screen is the best, especially as TVs get better. So, introduction to Peter Parker, he just tells you all the stuff. They do, like, a funny... They kind of, you know, touch on things from the Spider-Man movies. Mm-hmm. You know, he does, like, the dance and stuff. That's my
1: favorite part, is him dancing yeah. in the street.
0: He says, I have a so-so popsicle. And yeah. I think that's funny. It's all melted, because that's always what it looks like you when you when get you it. bought
1: one of those at the zoo? And it looked exactly <laughs> like that. We have a yeah. picture of it. It's always
0: torn up. Um, after your introduction to him, he says, you know, I'm the one and only... Spider-Man, and you're looking at him, or something like that, and when he says you're looking at him, it cuts to Miles, which I think was a cool little foreshadowing moment, and Miles is in his room singing along, and it's so relatable that he doesn't know the words. Yeah, He's just like... I was like, that's what I
1: like trying to sing, that exact song.
0: Yeah, and of course they got away with it because that song is maybe a little more R-rated than they would want for this movie, but by not having him actually know the words yeah they got rid of all that he's
1: trying to hit that note when and do yeah. that run when his dad's like Miles! yeah
0: he's yelling at him to get ready packed? for school yeah yeah and he just dumps all of his clothes into like a and suitcase. i don't know if
1: those were clean or dirty
0: they were in like a milk crate too
1: yeah and i don't so know i'm like are those clean or dirty like did your mom like does she do your laundry but then milk crates it and mm. is like put it away yourself i mean what's the situation? <laughs>
0: In just those few moments where he's with his family in that beginning, you kind of get a feel for what his household is like. His father, Jefferson Davis, is a cop. His mother, Rio Morales, she is she works at a hospital. And it's a bilingual household as well. And that, you know, very much comes out right there. And he's on his way to school. And I think it was nice seeing that he's, like, so in touch with his neighborhood. He's got a lot of friends there. And it's kind of also adds to the sadness that he's now going to a new school where he doesn't have this same relationship. I actually
1: said that because it must be, I said it must suck for him to see all of his friends in the neighborhood and not to be able to go to school with them anymore. Mm -hmm. Because he's kind of like, in my mind, when you see the class, like his schoolmates later, like they're very pretentious.
0: Yeah. When he walks into school, because he gets, he ends up getting there, you know, his dad takes him because he caught him putting stickers up as he was walking. But when he gets to school, you see him trying to relate to people. He says, like, hey, how's it going? How's your weekend? Some other guy's like, this is embarrassing. We wore the same jacket. And everybody's just like giving him the cold shoulder. Like it's yeah. fucked up.
1: Yeah.
0: After um, he is kind of walking around school, then it starts with his classes. And you can see that he's stressing. Like he's running between classes. You see he's not raising his hand quite as fast as the other people. It focuses in on the teachers as they say words like stressed or things like that, and finally he ends up in a class where Gwen Stacy is, and they meet for the first time. That's just a very quick introduction to her character. After that, it shows that his teacher is handing him his test that he got a zero on. He's trying to get out of the school, but the teacher catches him and says the only way to get a complete zero on the test is to know every answer. A
1: true-false test.
0: Yes, a (laughs) true-false test.
1: Like, Miles, you (laughs) dummy.
0: I know. Come on.
1: Just <laughs> get a few wrong.
0: Yeah, for real. And I in a few
1: right. Then he would have got like a 20. Yeah,
0: you know? just, you know, measure out your score. You got this. And so his teacher assigns him an essay on great expectations based on that conversation that they have. He heads home. He's trying to... Or not home. He heads to his dorm room. It's like a boarding school. And he's trying to write it, but he kind of starts dazing off, like looking out the window, and he goes to his Uncle Aaron. So yeah. Uncle Aaron... And him have um, a pretty good relationship. And when Miles first visits Uncle Aaron on the TV that Uncle Aaron has, it's playing the show community. And the beginning of that episode that was playing shows Donald Glover's character, Troy, getting out of bed, wearing Spider-Man pajamas. And this was a reference to an unsuccessful campaign to get Donald Glover a chance to audition for the lead role in The Amazing Spider-Man before you know andrew garfield had it and miles morales co-creator brian michael bendis said that that image of donald glover in the spider-man pajamas and community was one of the major inspirations for the creation of the character and the character's design not to mention donald glover appears as aaron davis in spider-man homecoming and he also voiced miles morales in disney's ultimate spider-man so Donald Glover has so many ties to Miles Morales. He's the inspiration. He's played his uncle. He's done the voice. He's all around that. So, you see the kind of relationship he has with his uncle. It's a lot different than his parents. His uncle's obviously not strict like that, so they're... Like friends, basically. He's comfortable telling him how school's going. He kind of mentions he's talking to a girl. That's when his uncle tells him about the hey thing. You know, put your hand on the shoulder and go, hey. And it's funny, he keeps trying to repeat it back and he's like doing his voice. Like the last one he does is like, hey. (laughs) Yeah.
1: He's got no game.
0: Yeah. (laughs) So Miles is going to head home, but I think Uncle Aaron could kind of see that he was, you know, not doing too good and he wanted to give him a chance to relax. So he offers to take him to put up some of his art. And Aaron knows a spot where it's perfect. It's just a blank canvas. Uncle Aaron takes Miles down there. You get like a little montage of Miles painting his art. And as that's happening, you see the spider that's going to bite him crawling And the spider—I don't know if it's like a reference to the fact that Miles is gonna get camouflage. The spider's changing colors, which I didn't notice till this time around.
1: Oh yeah. As
0: it's jumping on the color paint cans, like the tops, it's changing that color, and
1: so he is a special radioactive spider.
0: Yeah, I mean his, like in the Ultimate Universe that he comes from, that spider was made with the same formula that made the Green Goblin, Mm -hmm. so. It is a little different, but eventually that spider bites him. And I think that scene's so funny. I laugh every time because it makes this big, giant, like epic scene of the spider injecting him. It puts up comic panels showing like the venom go inside of him and then it cuts back to him and he just very lightly like smacks the spider and it just immediately Mm -hmm. dies and falls off.
1: Yeah, I had a couple questions about that scene. Uh, Where did Aaron get all of the cans of spray paint and stereo? Because he wasn't carrying a backpack when they went in. And he was the one who handed Miles <laughs> all the spray paint. So did he just have it, like, chilling up there already where he was sitting? And also, you always hear about, like, spiders. They don't, like, seek to bite. They're just afraid, as afraid of you as you are of them. But uh, that spider sought Miles out and was like, this bitch. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, and like
1: bit him, and he crawled all up in his shirt, all mm-hmm. of this, all over his neck. and was like, "Nah, the hand, dude. I want the hand."
0: It was destiny. And then as for the spray uh, or the paint cans, maybe because Aaron was working down there as the prowler, he left it.
1: What does he need spray paint for? Is the prowler?
0: Well, he did it because he mm, knew that he would bring hole. Miles there.
1: <laughs> plot hole. I don't know.
0: So Miles gets bit, and he. Goes home. Um, one thing that they made sure to do is you don't see comic book, like, panels or, like, the comic book words above Miles until he's bit. Up until that point, it's normal. And then once he gets bit, that's when all that comic-y stuff starts, which I thought was cool.
1: Oh, yeah, you're right.
0: Um, so, when he gets, he gets back to his dorm and he goes to sleep, and it shows, like, just a time lapse of him sleeping... And his fucking roommate doesn't go to sleep.
1: No, he stays up all night. Yeah,
0: and I was like, Jesus, do you not have school, too? Like, it's up all night, like, nonstop. And also...
1: He must be on Adderall. I don't
0: know. But his chair is right there by Miles' bed. Like, go to bed just for the sake of not being weird. You're right in front of your roommate this I know. whole time.
1: First off, also, how rude. He's just like, nah, I'm not going to sleep. I'm going to stay up being mm-hmm. loud being loud, while all my night. roommate's trying to sleep.
0: Ridiculous. So Miles wakes up, and it's the traditional thing that happens when spider people get bit where, like, they can tell they're physically different. And he puts on his pants, and he says, I think I hit puberty. And you see his roommate, like, what the fuck?
1: And his pants are high waters.
0: Yes. And then he's walking through and you can see he's having these, the comic panels pop up above his head saying what he's thinking. And he's like, why are my thoughts so loud? And he bumps into Gwen Stacy, which you find out later, she purposefully made that happen. But he tries to go for the move that his uncle told him about. And he gets his hand stuck in her hair. Cause he doesn't know how to control his powers. That's starting to happen where he doesn't know how to stick or unstick. It's just happening when that happens. They have to go get Gwen's hair uh, shaved. I mean, that's also when she introduces herself as Gwanda And she says, like, I'm kidding. It's Wanda. There's no G. Yeah. And he's not even listening because the whole time he's in his head. Like, why is this so weird? I'm going in slow motion. You know, he's trying to do the move. But she gets her head shaved, which is obviously going to lead to her shaving half her head like she has that look in the comics. When Miles leaves there... He is still freaking out, panicking. He doesn't know what's going on. And that security guard tries to say something about him sneaking out the night before. He goes running. He's sticking to the outside of the building. He's losing his clothes. It's just a mess. He eventually ends up back in his dorm where he sees the comic about Spider-Man. Um, in that comic, it says that Spider-Man's real name is Billy Barker. I guess because in that universe, Spider-Man allowed them to make a comic, but he can't tell them who he is. So Peter Parker... Billy Barker, pretty Ah, good.
1: Yeah, no one will put two and two together.
0: (laughs) Yeah, Uh, so he sees that and he goes after that to investigate the spider that bit him because he's like, no way that this is anything. This must be, you know, I'm crazy. He goes down there, touches the spider, and then he starts getting like, I don't know, I guess it was maybe his spider sense because he starts like being led towards a little further back. Yeah, And it's where... Spider-Man and Green Goblin are fighting around the collider and it even like it takes a moment His spider sense is kind of late there in the beginning You see it several times through the movie where his spider sense is a little behind everyone else's So he stops and you hear like a whisper say get out or watch out And then like a piece of something comes flying through where he is And that's when he can see out and see Spider-Man fighting Green Goblin He gets kind of caught up in the mix and he falls and that sets off Spider-Man's spider sense he swings in, saves Miles, and you know their two spider senses kind of bounce off each other. And so Peter realizes they're the same. He says to him, you know, I can help you. I can show you the ropes, but I got to deal with this first.
1: Yeah, I do have a question. Why is the Green Goblin so big?
0: So in the Ultimate Universe, his goblin formula caused him to turn into a full-blown beast. He can actually turn back as well. To Norman? Yes. But he switches between the two. It's He doesn't have the glider or any of that. He just has the big wings. It's kind of crazy the stuff that goes on with him. He's apparently immortal. And there's been talks about is Miles actually immortal? And nobody knows that they don't. They because don't really...
1: because his radioactive spider was made with the same formula that this universe's Green Goblin is. Yes,
0: and they've never touched on that again oh, in the comics. Oh shit! In fact, I mean, they've You're done. Getting
1: the news here first, folks. Getting the news here. <laughs>
0: they've done a series of comic books. They they were just one shots, but it was like the final days of people. Like they had like Venom's last day alive. They did like Miles' last day alive, and so he did die. He didn't die of old age, but he was old. So. It's probably not immortal. Anyway. You never
1: know, everyone. You just don't know.
0: Yeah. (laughs) But that... Yeah, Green Goblin's ridiculous in the Ultimate Universe. I mean, a lot of the villains are so different. So, during the Collider fight, Spider-Man, like, makes a comment towards the Goblin about... He says, Norman, how do you feel about head trauma? As he notices a piece of the roof is falling and it hits Norman in the head. And that pisses him off because he, like, kind of loses control. He grabs Spider-Man, puts him in the beam of the Collider... And when Spider-Man is in the beam of the collider, you can actually see as he's like freaking out and the dimension stuff is happening to his face. It shows the other spider people that we're going to meet. Spider-Ham, Spider-Man. Yeah,
1: it does. And
0: that was cool. But the collider, I guess it doesn't fully explode or anything because they still say they need to destroy it, but it gets pretty severely damaged. Like the roof caves in and stuff like that. Yeah,
1: Green Goblin's big ass blew up Fisk's machine. And also Wilson Fisk is obscenely large for absolutely no reason in this movie.
0: Yes. So that's the introduction of Kingpin as well um, for the movie. And the thing is, I know he's like, he is obscenely large. He's
1: obscenely large. He's bigger (laughs) than a doorway.
0: I like when I've seen the people. For zero
1: reason. He is such a hunchback (laughs) that he makes the hunchback of Notre Dame look (laughs) like absolute garbage.
0: So the Kingpin is based on how he looks in a comic book, Daredevil, Love and War, that came out in 1986. They didn't just make that for the movie. He looks like that in the comic book. Well, he looks ridiculous. Let me tell you,
1: whoever illustrated that. Oh, whoa,
0: whoa, whoa! Listen, now, listen,
1: listen. You didn't even
0: let me. <laughs> okay, finish. go ahead. I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> Must have been looking at their grandma walking around with a cane, because a bunch of old ladies be having hunchbacks like that, and I don't know where else you would get that idea.
0: Good God. <laughs> Well, that comic was done by Frank Miller and Bill Sankovic. Sank- I, I I'm not sure how to say it. I apologize. But that's, you know, they're very famous. And I like it. Like, it works for this type of movie. Oh, he, it
1: for sure works for this type of movie. But he's absolutely yeah, ridiculous. It's funny, like,
0: how big he is. Every time you see him, I mean, half the time you it looks like... You
1: him. He takes up half the TV. Yeah,
0: it looks like it's just like a black mass with a head in the middle a that's lot of times. That's what I'm saying.
1: He'd be having a hunchback.
0: Yeah. So when he shows up, Um, he shows up like a minute before but he comes out again once the colliders exploded because Spider-Man has been crushed underneath some of the rubble along with Green Goblin Green Goblin is seemingly dead Mm -hmm. and Miles runs over to Spider-Man you can see he's pretty badly hurt he's coughing up blood and he tells Miles we need to stick together and I need you to take this and you're gonna blow up the collider you just have to get up there and plug it in and Miles kind of runs off to do that as you hear Kingpin, Prowler and Tombstone show up and Kingpin in in a rage because Spider-Man tells him that there's no way to get his family back, which is ultimately his goal of this collider. Kingpin slams down his full strength onto an already weakened Spider-Man, killing him, and Miles goes running. He's not trained to do this, so he couldn't just swing up there and deal with this. He doesn't even have web shooters.
1: Cue Prowler music.
0: Yes, I was gonna say, Prowler's theme is terrifying because Kingpin sends Prowler at...
1: Literally every single time I hear it, I get jump-scared. It's, I'm it's, not kidding. Like, it, it's so, like, alarming that I'm like, oof. It's so Even good. though I knew it was coming, I still got jump-scared every time I heard it.
0: Yeah, it's, I mean, it's amazing, and they actually made it using elephant noises, mm-hmm. and they wanted it to have a sense of sadness with it as well. It does. For, and you can hear that, but it, it sounds so good. It's one of the best things about the movie.
1: Yeah, and then, but when Miles finally escapes Prowler and all of this... Mm -hmm. a song comes on I don't remember the song, but that was when I thought that the music for this movie is absolutely popping.
0: Yeah, so Spider-Man's death, when he gets home, you know, his parents are sitting down watching, after they kind of have a back and forth about why he's there, his parents are sitting there watching the news and it announces that Spider-Man's dead. I mean, it's such an emotional scene, and one of the things I liked is you're seeing New York react to it in real time, like Mm -hmm. all of New York, it's not just them, you see people pulling out their phones, they're on the subway, they're in Times Square, you see it popping up on billboards like everyone in New York is affected by this and it adds a lot of weight to Spider-Man as well and the hero he was and what Miles is supposed to fill in for.
1: Do they do that in the comics?
0: I mean it's even more emotional I guess in the comics because you have the other heroes getting involved in what's going on but you, I mean this was you know obviously this was sad and a lot of people knew this was coming based on the content of the movie but not to mention that this film ultimately is dedicated to Spider-Man's creators Stanley and Steve Ditko, a uh, Steve Ditko. He died on July 6th of 2018, the year this movie came out. And Stanley died on November 12th of 2018, just a month before this movie came out. And so it was a lot.
1: I remember you being in tears in the theater.
0: I mean, I'm in tears when I watch it now. For...
1: You are. It he cries it. He cries at movies a lot, but specifically Spider-Man.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's emotional. I think it's sad that he... You know, even you see Miles go to that crowd of people, and there's so many people wearing Spider-Man masks, and you hear Mary Jane talking about that anyone can be a hero, and it just so happened to be that Peter Parker received the powers, and it's so depressing. Um, It's broken up by a quick joke, and it's one of the funniest jokes in the movie I think when Miles says they're counting on me and that stranger leans (laughs) in and is like I don't think you specifically.
1: It's a metaphor. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. He does say that. I'm
0: constantly when I watch this movie constantly I have tears in my eyes and I'm laughing at that scene and it's just ridiculous. Miles is now trying to be Spider-Man. He has his Spider-Man merch that he's wearing as his costume. He's looking at the comic books trying to kind of follow in Peter's footsteps. He climbs up to a building to go ahead and jump across and he's having this big moment and he turns around and goes back down the stairs immediately to find a smaller building
1: first off he's not winded climbing like 100 flights of stairs
0: well he's spider-man now
1: it doesn't matter
0: But I thought that scene was funny. It also reminded me of Venom. Remember the first Venom movie when he goes to the top of that building? And then he turns around to take an elevator and Venom's like, Pussy. Yeah, he
1: does say that, doesn't he? That was funny.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Miles, while he's trying to be Spider-Man, he's doing all these jumps and stuff. He falls And he falls on top of the chip that he had that he was supposed to use to take down the machine and it breaks. He's super upset about that. He goes to Peter's grave to talk to Peter, I guess. And he says, you know, I'm sorry, I really wanted to do what you asked, but I broke this. I messed up. And when he does that, a stranger comes behind him and says, hey, kid, and touches him. And he turns around, freaks out, and pushes him. And his... Venom Strike goes off and knocks him out, and it turns out it's Peter B. Parker.
1: Is that what it's called as a Venom Strike? The electricity. Yes. Why is it a Venom Strike, not an Electro Strike?
0: Because spider venom.
1: Oh. okay
0: <laughs> so when that happens we get his introduction which is a copy of the very beginning of the movie he says all right let's do this one last time and he tells his story he's an older spider-man but his life has gone very differently um his aunt may is passed away and he is divorced from mary jane because he did not want kids and he's just a miserable spider-man he doesn't seem to enjoy it you see him in the bathtub in his suit there's like a piece of pizza on the bathtub like next to the toilet it's just disgusting does
1: that take you back to college
0: basically he's watching tv he's like did you know seahorses mate for life can you imagine two seahorses seeing each other and making it work (laughs) he's And he says, all right, so cut to today. I'm doing crunches, getting strong. And he's sitting there eating pizza, like just laying in his bed. And he has
1: his dad bod for sure. And then he gets sucked through with his dad bod. And
0: when he's getting sucked through, he webs his mask to grab that. And then he tries to web the pizza. And that's why the pizza hits the ceiling. He's still trying to get the pizza. He could have escaped, but he's sitting there staring at the portal opening, still trying to get his pizza in his mouth. Like...
1: (laughs) I mean, it just goes to show he must have some good pizza. But uh, I think when he is in the city and he's standing there, uh, he looks like the Grinch.
0: So one funny thing about that is when I listened to the commentary on this movie, they said they didn't have dimensions for what his stomach should look like. So basically every time the animators were doing it, they did different like amounts. Yeah. So sometimes it's ridiculous. Sometimes yeah. it's a little bit.
1: And then sometimes he looks normal.
0: Yeah, it's funny. When he comes through the portal, he is full lying. He's bouncing off the fucking road, the signs, and I realized for the first time, that's why he has on sweatpants, because his pants and boots get torn up to his knee. Oh. Like, his entire Spider-Man suit gets ruined.
1: And that's why he has sweatpants and two different shoes yeah. on. Yeah, he just he's found a some trash. on and a Tim on. Yes,
0: he just had to find clothes. That's why he's dressed like that and looks ridiculous. I never noticed that before. I thought he was just a hobo Spider-Man.
1: I mean, he is just a hobo Spider-Man. Give him the benefit of the doubt here
0: so miles is there with him after he just zapped him at the grave the cops show up and miles has to escape with him i was dying laughing at how many times he keeps knocking out peter parker
1: yeah i said that the line that best sums up the entire like sequence of this scene is it looks like a kid dressed as spider-man dragging a homeless corpse (laughs) that's exactly like enough said
0: Well, they're attached to the bus and they're going through and they're hitting every single car on the road as they go. He's dragging his face on the street. (laughs) street. They hit the gravestone. It's
1: like every time he comes to, something happens and he's out again.
0: Eventually he gets out of there and you see that he's brought Peter to his uncle's house and he ties him to a punching bag and he's questioning him because he doesn't understand why he's there because as far as he knows, Peter Parker's dead. So Peter B. Parker escapes. He just wants to go home. He's telling him, like, I don't care what you got going on. I just need to get home. Gonna go to the collider. Deal with that. And Miles is like, you can't. The collider's gonna destroy everything. And he tells him he has the the goober and uh he realized the goober is broken and peter's like i have to go steal what your guy stole again to make a new goober miles is like you need to train me how to be spider-man he just doesn't want to you can see again he's given up he's a very depressed spider-man because the first spider-man made a point to say no matter how many times i get hit i always get up again i still love being spider-man and you see that peter b parker does not love being spider-man he's still doing it but he doesn't like it he takes peter b parker to a restaurant where he's just absolutely devouring burgers.
1: Yeah, I said that him eating burgers is actually um, disgusting. (laughs) And this is the moment where I felt like they went just a (laughs) tad overboard with making him overweight and gross. I did say especially with the sweatpants, but I forgot that he lost most of his pants. So I'll let the sweatpants (laughs) slide.
0: Yeah, when he's eating at that burger place he says, this place closed down in my dimension I have no idea why. And you can see in the background the health rating that this restaurant has is a C, yeah, so like that's why because it's gross. And they're talking about what they're gonna do, what's the plan? They need to go to Alchemex to steal the information to make another goober so they can get the collider shut down. And Miles is like, You can teach me how to swing on the way there. And Peter just laughs at him and then gets on a bus. And they're on the bus, and he's like, I'm not gonna go swinging after a hearty burger breakfast,
1: yeah. <laughs> like,
0: Um, So they finally arrive at Alchemex and they're getting ready. Um, It's a quick scene, but I think it's funny. He's got a cape on. Miles does. Yeah. And Peter's like, and it's a no on the cape.
1: (laughs) He's like, really? I thought it looked pretty cool. (laughs)
0: Yeah. And he tears it off. He's like, it's disrespectful. So when they're discussing the plan on how they're gonna do this, when they're outside of the building, Peter's like, I'm gonna go to head scientist. And it shows a picture of him stalking this guy. And Miles interrupts him and says, the lady with the bike is the head scientist. And he says, all right, step three, I re-examine. my personal biases yeah <laughs> i thought that was funny that is funny but they get in there and spider-man's very much again showing that he's tired of this job like he says as they're listening to kingpin and olivia talk he's like this is pretty standard spider-man stuff he's gonna say you've got 24 hours
1: <laughs> you've got 24 hours and
0: then he does say it, yeah. yeah and he's like all right well let's uh, get in there and they're trying to steal the information but olivia comes back and miles turns invisible which is the first time he realizes he can do that peter also sees it for the first time and he's trying to enter the past into the computer to break in while Olivia's examining Peter which you get the twist reveal that she is Olivia Octavius and Miles can't figure out what he's supposed to do I guess so he just steals the entire computer and he's running as Doc Ock and Peter are fighting and when Peter finally catches up to him I love it he's like Good news, we don't need the monitor. And he grabs the monitor from Miles and throws it. It's like the whole time Miles is carrying this monitor for no fucking reason. Yeah. Like he doesn't know how technology works. When they are running away from Doc Ock, they finally enter into like the lunchroom where all the employees are. And Peter's like, You're going to go invisible? This would be a great time. And Miles does it. And he's like, All right, you're not going to turn invisible. I'm selecting a bagel. And he grabs a bagel. <laughs> yeah. And when they're running away, the Alchemex employees say, He took a bagel. <laughs> like. <laughs> They call it out.
1: First off, how was he hungry after his hearty burger breakfast? <laughs> I don't
0: know. Was it all the
1: flirting he tried to do with Doc Ock?
0: Yeah, probably that. Um, Peter switches with Miles. He says, all right, switch. He gives him the bagel. He takes the computer. And Miles, as they're running out of the building, throws the bagel bag. It hits one of the employees in the head. And when it hits them in the head, above their head, it says bagel. Like, it does like a whole thing about it. And apparently that was just a quick little joke that somebody put in. And they loved it. So they kept it.
1: That's funny.
0: So they're escaping through the forest. Miles is kind of learning how to swing for the first time. They obviously still get caught by Doc Ock. But that's when Spider woman shows up, which... I did want to mention this, like, we call her Spider-Gwen, and I'm going to keep calling her that probably throughout the whole thing, but that's, like, not her name ever in the comics. It'd be weird, you know, if they mm-hmm. she went by Spider-Gwen, and they were like, Gwen Stacy's obviously Spider-Gwen. Spider-Gwen, yeah. No, she goes by Spider-Woman, and sometimes Ghost-Spider, but I'm going to just keep calling her Spider-Gwen.
1: Don't get confused, everyone. The well, lore I just, is unmatched. I
0: don't want anybody coming at me like, uh, actually, her name is not Spider-Gwen, mm-hmm. and maybe you should read a comic book once in a while, because that's how it goes. They're
1: probably going to come at us. With all that, because of our sequels. That's fine. Eat it. So. Doc Ock is a female and we haven't met her in the live action universe. Mm -hmm. Do you think she would be a female villain in the current...
0: Like in Tom Holland's universe? Yeah. I think that'd be a good way to do it because I don't think you want to recast as a male because they've already had... I can't think of his name.
1: Octavius. Yes, they had him
0: from the original Raimi films come in and so rather than never use that character again, I think what you can do is, you know, cast it as a female and that way you still get the benefit of having that as a constant in his universe, but you don't have to feel like you've recast him. So do
1: you think that Tom Holland's live action is the ultimate... Spider-Man universe with Miles existing.
0: I think they'll do some variation of it. I mean, even this is just a variation on it. Like, this doesn't play out exactly like he did in his introduction to the comics, but I think that definitely the smart move, if Sony wants to add longevity to their franchise, is to give Tom Holland these next three movies, and in the finale of these next three, kill him to introduce Miles. And then you can bring Tom Holland back, but you give him some time to do his own thing. Mm. I mean, he's doing his own thing this whole time not not like this is the only movie he does but you know give him a break and you can still bring him back later and you get a miles a live action miles which i think the voice of miles in this should be it but that's just me you
1: hear that sony you got (laughs) world-class ideas here you hit us up all right
0: (laughs) so gwen shows up and she has a super cool scene they start playing like a rock song in the back and she's very confident the way she's moving. You know, she's not Miles, brand new. She's not fucking Peter B. Parker who's like lazy and jaded. Yeah. She saves them and she whoops Doc Ock's ass and they get away. And when they are escaping on the bus now after they've gotten away with that, um, you kind of see the relationship between Miles and Gwen start to take place as, you know, he's kind of saying like, oh, he broke the goober. He's kind of embarrassed about it. You know, don't say anything. And you see that Peter B. Parker's awake in the back, but he's smiling. He's like happy that that's happening.
1: It, it does go to Wilson Fisk being mad, but it also shows why Vanessa left him and Vanessa and their son die in a car accident after she leaves him because it was him beating up Spider-Man and that's why he hates Spider-Man so much because he blames Spider-Man yeah. for his wife and son leaving him.
0: The group heads to Aunt May now so that they can see if possibly Peter Parker of this universe had something that they could use to make the goober aunt may brings them down into the lair and it's funny because like peter b parker's like oh yeah i have something just like this and then it's actually like huge it's this giant like bat cave style thing you see the spider mobile like bikes multiple suits all that and that's when we also get the introduction of the other spider people as aunt may says you guys thought you were the only ones to come here and up in the ceiling you see Spider Ham, Spider Man Noir, and Penny Parker, and they all come down. And I like when Spider Man Noir is up there. One of them says, "Is he in black and white?" And then Peter P Parker's like, "Where's that wind coming from? We're in a basement." And Spider Man Noir's like, "The wind goes where I go." <laughs> something stupid like that. He's so yeah. dramatic about it. Like Nicolas Cage in that role was perfect. I never would have imagined it, but he's so good in it. Um, Penny Parker, I think she's super cool. I mean, she's got like kind of an anime thing going on, but I really like. The robot i think that was a cool way to have several different variations on spider-man without it being like you know iron spider superior spider-man all that uh, when peter porker comes out they make a joke based on one of it's john
1: spider ham
0: yeah When Spider-Ham comes out, they make a joke based on one of John Mulaney's stand-up jokes where he talks about how sweaty he was as a kid. And he comes out and he says, My hands are wet because I just washed them. No other reason. And you see, like, his whole body is wet. Yeah.
1: Pigs don't sweat, though.
0: Well, John Mulaney did.
1: Yeah. We also get there. all right, let's do this one last time. And then they introduce all three of them. Yeah,
0: they kind of get a combined one. So, they all agree that they're gonna you know do this together and they're like all ready to sacrifice themselves to put the goober into the machine mm-hmm. but Miles says you know I'll do it and they all kind of question him whether or not he's ready they start going through this little like I don't want to say training montage but they're all like can you deal with this can you deal with this can you do this and you see Peter B. Parker says like cool it guys like he's the only one kind of standing up for him while he's being crowded and harassed I
1: actually Peter B. feeling bad for Miles um, was kind of sad because he is the only person that believes in him I did, I did make note of that Um, and I think he's more like a father figure like you know like I guess a mentor slash father figure in the Spider-Man realm it's really everybody being like kind of hateful to him and doesn't thinking he can do this leads him to go to Uncle Aaron's house
0: Yes, and he's there writing Uncle Aaron a note, and you also kind of see that his parents have been trying to call him and they can't get a hold of him because he's having this really emotional moment, and his parents, he doesn't feel that's someone he could confide in about these things. And as he's leaving that note for Uncle Aaron, Prowler comes in, and this is where we get the reveal that Prowler is Uncle Aaron, as Miles hides behind like the TV and he turns invisible so Prowler doesn't see him, but then he takes off his mask, and Miles freaks out and tries to run, but he kind of hits a plant on his way out, so Prowler chases him, but Prowler eventually decides, I guess, to follow him instead. And he heads back to Aunt May's. So Kingpin, Prowler, Tombstone, Doc Ock, and Scorpion all show up at Aunt May's. How many
1: people was that?
0: Kingpin, Prowler, Doc Ock, Scorpion. Oh, well. Not the
1: Sinister Six, everyone.
0: No. (laughs) I mean, Green Goblin died, so that might have been another member.
1: Did he really die?
0: He got crushed by that stuff. He's not in the movie again. Oh. So that might have been the fifth. And then actually on one of the boards in Peter Parker's cave, you see Hammerhead, which is another Spider-Man villain. That might have been the sixth if you want to build a Sinister Six. So Miles runs into the house. He's like, it's my uncle. He tried to kill me. And fucking Spider-Man Noir says, this is a pretty hardcore backstory. (laughs) Um, He has just some of the best lines in the movie. Like, I have so many of his lines written down. Another one comes up when all the bad guys show up. Aunt May says, can we take this outside before they all fight? And Spider-Man Noir says, we don't pick the ballroom, we just dance. Yeah,
1: he does, and then they start fighting, and like, her house is being destroyed, and uh, Prowler is about to kill Miles, and Miles takes his mask off.
0: Yeah, and that's a super emotional scene. You can see that Aaron is having a crisis of faith, basically, when he sees where he is he's currently holding the throat of his nephew and he realizes kind of that he's made a mistake kingpin says what are you waiting for kill him and as prowler backs off from miles kingpin shoots him from the back miles takes uh, aaron and he runs ending up swinging over his father and uh, he follows him there and he just finds miles over aaron as aaron is saying you're the best of us, Miles. Um, I'm sorry I let you down. Right. It's so sad.
1: It is the saddest scene in the movie, and like you get the fact that Aaron is in a hard place because. As we all know, like, you can't say no to Wilson Fisk either.
0: Yeah, he... Once
1: you're in, you're in.
0: Yes, and Aaron, of course, is known to be a criminal. I mean, one of the things from the comics that they still kind of touch on here is that Aaron and Jefferson were into some bad stuff when they were younger. That's why Miles' last name is not Davis, it's Morales, because he didn't want to take on that name and kind of be associated with all the stuff that, like, Davis brothers were into. And so you can kind of see where that's gone for... Like, obviously, Jeff would end up becoming a cop, and you see that Aaron has turned now into a supervillain. He's got a whole suit and everything. Anyway, Aaron... Is dead and Jeff initially thinks that it's Spider-Man that killed him. And Jeff goes to see Miles, not knowing, of course, that Miles was there, but Miles has now gone back to his dorm as well. He's angry and he gets into his dorm and the spider people follow him. And they've basically come to tell him he's out. They, I mean, they console him as well, you know. They all kind of give their, you know, for me it was my Uncle Ben, for me it was my best friend, all of that. But Peter B. Parker has made the decision that Miles is not gonna come. Come.
1: well he's just not ready
0: yes he tells him he's not ready
1: they're like it happens at all times you've only been spider-man for like a couple of days like it's okay it's like they all understand but like he is a liability at this point point.
0: and the rest of them actually want him to come they, he says that he miles says you have to tell the rest of them i'm ready and peter b parker says it wasn't their decision and
1: he's just trying to protect him again as a, as a fatherly figure and yeah and all of this, Um, and it's really sad, but at this point in the movie, you realize Peter B. is stepping up, being the leader. He's the oldest Spider-Man. He's been doing it the longest, and he's the most experienced.
0: Yes, absolutely. I mean, it makes sense that he would take it on, but he uh, sweet kicks Miles. He's holding him there. He tells him, if you're ready, then turn invisible right now, or Venom, strike me. Miles can't do it, and he puts him in a chair, ties him up, takes the goober, and leaves. That's when Jeff shows up to the door. He's trying to talk to Miles, I assume Miles would have talked to him, but the problem was he was webbed up, his mouth was webbed up, so he could not talk, and if he had made enough noise to where his father came in, he would have had to explain that. Can't do that. After his dad kind of gives him a speech about how he believes in him, and you know, he's sorry he's not always what he needs him to be, Miles has a moment where he gains control of the venom strike, seemingly, and he blasts out of the webs. I, I forgot to mention that Genki sees them and passes out, his roommate Genki. They
1: put him in bed to finally sleep.
0: Yeah, and That man's
1: been manic. He hasn't slept in days.
0: Yeah, so that's why I think he passed out. But one thing that made me laugh is when Miles blasts out of the chair, there's webs everywhere. Everywhere. And Genki wakes up, he looks around, and he just goes back to sleep. Like, you definitely saw those webs.
1: He's a tired guy. He's been awake, going hard, going ham in class. And what's funny is, like, at the end, obviously, Miles, like, starts going back to school and stuff. But, like, how many days has he missed? Was it just a weekend? Was it, like, a couple <laughs> days and people are like, mm, it's okay. We don't care. I
0: do believe it was honestly just, like, a weekend because...
1: Yeah, the, I mean, the movie takes place over a very, very short amount of time. Yeah,
0: but still, you're right. Um, So, Miles leaves and he goes to Aunt May to get both web shooters for himself and also kind of make his own suit. And we get the leap of faith scene where he's up on that building and you can hear the voiceover of Peter telling him, you'll never know when you're ready. It's just a leap of faith. That's one of the best scenes of the entire movie. It is. It's so good. So from there, he's now a little more confident. You can see his swinging gets more confident and he does head towards the rest of the group where they are now infiltrating the penthouse where there's like a dinner going on in Spider-Man's honor. And so there's a bunch of waiters dressed up as Spider-Man and they're like, can't be that easy, can it? And they go down there and they're like, it's that easy, which they don't fit in at all. No,
1: they don't because everybody's <laughs> just dressed like Spider-Man and that none of them look like Spider-Man. The thing Spider-Man. is, is they
0: only have masks. Everyone else has a waiter like- Outfit on, uh-huh. And they're full-blown different, different Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Yeah,
1: like, it makes no sense. They
0: don't fit in at all. But either way, they are able to infiltrate and they get down to the Collider. Doc Ock gets a hold of Peter, and that's when Miles shows up invisible and makes Doc Ock, like, punch yourself. So they have an all-out fight. All the spider people are fighting. It's a great scene of seeing all that. I want to say that I think Spider-Ham might be the most powerful Spider-Man.
1: Oh. <laughs> because he can just
0: drop anchors. He can pull a mallet yeah. out. Yeah. Like...
1: Hot take, everyone. <laughs> Spider-Ham is the Spider-Man. He's
0: secretly the strongest Spider-Man. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. He, it's
1: because he was bitten by a radio Radioactive pig, not a radioactive spider.
0: Yeah. I mean, probably...
1: It's very cartoony, which I like.
0: So they eventually, you know, they, they do their fights and stuff and they're getting ready to leave. They're sending everyone out like one at a time. I laughed because Spider-Ham, before he leaves, he says, that's all folks. And Peter B. Parker's like, is he allowed to say that legally? <laughs> yeah. But before Peter B. Parker leaves, Kingpin comes out yelling at them. They go to try and fight him. But Miles is like, you've got to go. And he does the same movie, sweep kicks. Peter B. Parker holds him off the side of the building above the portal and drops not, him.
1: Not bad kid.
0: Yeah, not bad kid. That's a cool scene. Yeah.
1: And then it proceeds to Miles and Fisk fight scene, Yeah, which is absolutely insane, but also it's even more insane because Fisk knows that he's literally a child and he does not care and is like I'll kill a kid. Yeah. I don't care at all. He is not
0: pulling back at all. Yeah. Miles is able to win using the Venom Strike. He does the move based on Kingpin saying you're never going to see your family again. He gets the inspiration to do what Uncle. Aaron said and he goes (laughs) hey And touches his shoulder and zaps him. And that venom strike is supposed to be ridiculous. So after that, he grabs Kingpin with webs, throws him into the collider button, and they're able to shut off the collider. Of course, his dad was there for that fight, you know, kind of saying, Get up, Spider Man. He realizes Spider Man is not evil. He didn't kill Aaron. He kind of puts together what happened. And that's when, of course, Miles calls his dad from afar and is talking to him, but he kind of gets like, I want to hug my dad, but he can't because he's dressed as Spider Man, so he just gets off the phone and goes up and he's like, like i'm ready to work together with you and he hugs him and jefferson's like the fuck is wrong with this spider-man he's like i love you (laughs) yeah i love you okay
1: yeah and he's like oh oh, yeah he's so weird out because just
0: this stranger (laughs) so miles is then kind of giving his all right let's do this one last time i've been spider-man for two days as he's doing that he's walking through or swinging through the city he's like saying hi to everyone it parallels that beginning scene where miles is leaving his apartment and you see he's like knows everyone the neighborhood you see like the opposite of that sort of or not opposite but you know he's spider-man he's doing the same thing you see these people are taking him as spider-man that's great you also get this kind of epilogue where you see spider-man 2099 miguel o'hara it's just kind of a joke throwaway scene but he is traveling the multiverse and he goes to like the 67 animated show and he's like pointing his finger at him yeah. and he's like you pointed first and they're just pointing at each other but overall i mean i think this is currently the best spider-man movie movie I gave it a five out of five hear, are you afraid to give me your rating? I gave it
1: a 4.8 but you already know that I think Spider-Man No Way Home is better like I barely understand. like barely this is definitely top three though like I think I like it better than Spider-Man 2 so I think it's the second best and so that's why it gets a four I'll even go to like 4.9 but No Way Home gets the five for me so that's I think why what I this, gave it this movie
0: does for me and why I think it's the best is it very much is embodying that anyone can and wear the mask, which was kind of the point of Miles in the first place, is that anyone can be a hero. I mean, the movie even ends with that quote from Stan Lee. It's, I'm gonna paraphrase it here, I don't quite remember. It says something along the lines of, the people who do what is right because it's what needs to be done, those people are truly heroes.
1: Right. But you also, you know, grew up on comics, and I'm definitely coming up from like an outsider perspective of like, I I mean, I know what you tell me about comics, and we talk about it a lot, but um, you... You know what I mean? Yes. I feel like you have a different relationship with it than I do.
0: All right, let's play a game. So there's a million thousand spider people, and I'm going to give you a short, brief description, and you need to pick which one of these spider people on your screen it is.
1: Uh, Just so everyone knows, I've got Spider-Man Noir, Miles Morales, Spider-Ham, Spider-Gwen, and Peter Parker.
0: Number one, this spider person's costume is based on their uncle's World War One era airman uniform.
1: Peter Parker.
0: No. Spider-Man Noir.
1: He said he was around in the 30s in the movie in Spider... In, oh, you said World War One, didn't you? Damn, I thought you said one, World War Two. That makes sense. It's because I can't...
0: Wah, wah. Uh,
1: While commonly
0: War referred to as blank, this spider person is also known as the ghost spider.
1: Spider-Gwen, I listened during mm-hmm. the podcast.
0: Good for you. The ability to conduct electricity is unique to this Miles. spider person. <laughs> this spider person is hated by Marvel and forced to be miserable. spider Ham. No, it's Peter Parker. Oh, can you read it all? (laughs) Yeah. This spider person is hated by Marvel and forced to be miserable through his comic stories.
1: Oh yeah, Peter Parker. They always be killing (laughs) Aunt May. Maybe you should have let me They always be killing Aunt May, Ben, both. They be killing Mary. Him and Mary can't be together. He do be going through it.
0: Premiering in 1983, this spider person was born a spider. Spider Ham.
1: Spider-Ham was born a spider?
0: They tell you that in the thing. He was a spider bit by a a pig. Wouldn't
1: the pig have just eaten him? That doesn't make
0: sense. (laughs) He's a a pig that talks. You think it needs to make sense? Yes. He was a spider that was bit by a pig. Interesting. So...
1: I didn't do very well.
0: No, you did not. (laughs) You didn't yeah. even let me finish one of them, and um, you didn't listen.
1: Well, <laughs> I was thinking you said World War Two, and I was like, World War Two happened in the forties. What? Well, you
0: thought you should have just thought about their costume. Look at those costumes, and tell me which one is not like the others.
1: Look at what costumes? There's no costumes on my screen. Oh my
0: God! Just imagine.
1: <sighs> Spider-Man Noir gave me a real spirit vibe.
0: Exactly.
1: The spirit vibe. Don't get which me started. Not... Don't. <laughs> Spirit's One of the best gonna movies be of a, time.
0: it's gonna be a movie we do <laughs> do on the podcast. It's not a
1: good movie, everyone. All right,
0: go ahead with your sequel, miss.
1: Okay, so mine is a sequel, it's a direct sequel to Spider-Man into the Wait. Spider-Verse.
0: Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse releases this week that this will go up on June first. So there is already a sequel, but I wanna point out that while you and me watched the first trailer we've not kept up with any of the other trailers so more than likely our sequels are not influenced by what the movie actually will be
1: anyways so mine is called spider-man collision of the spider-verse get it collider yeah okay so first scene flash to dr olivia octavius super injured in the fight Mm -hmm. and in order to save herself, she jumps through an alternate dimension to try and heal. Because she's, you know, originally part of... We're calling this the ultimate universe, right? Okay. So she jumps through the portal and goes to an alternate dimension to try and heal. But when she's there, her body is decaying because she's not supposed to be there. Mm -hmm. So she's going to die. So she decides to take over that universe's Spider-Man slash Peter Parker. And she knew... Who to seek out because she knew about the multi-universes. And so she becomes the superior spider. Okay. Okay. Then pan to Miles. It's going to give you an update on how he's been doing. He's going to be... (laughs) Okay. Dancing down the hallway at school. Yeah. Giving you an update on how he's been doing since the last movie. Obviously, this is like... Some time has passed. I just need that first scene to where you know what happened to... Doc yep. Ock, okay? So, say some time has passed. I don't know how much. He's been successfully attending school, and his relationship with his dad is better, and he's saving the city as a friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. Okay. Nothing <laughs> wild has happened. However, Fisk has it out for his father because his father's the cop that put him in jail. Fisk also has plans to get his family back again with use of the Collider, but this time he's going to utilize his worst enemy, Spider-Man. So... Alternate dimension, Spider-Man 2099. All right, let's do this one last time. Oscar Isaac gives his whole Spider-Man 2099 spiel and you get the backstory. However, during, after the backstory, much like in the last movie with Peter Parker, he's going to be captured by Chameleon, who Fisk has hired to track him down. And so he ultimately captures him. He locks him away and then disguises himself as Spider-Man 2099 mm. and is going to be pretending to be him. This Spider-Man 2099 is going to try and get all the Spider-Man and women across the multiverse to help him defeating an unknown enemy. And so all of these people come to Miles. They're all like, hey, let's get together. Like, there's an impending doom coming. Yeah. Miguel knows all about it. We have to save the world. But Miles um, is skeptical about this, but nobody believes him because he hasn't been a Spider-Man as long as them. He's just a kid still. I would say he's in high school at this point, but he's still just a kid. So they're all like, you don't know. <laughs> and he's like, we're all Spider-Man. We should trust one another. So, peak two: Miles babysitting Mayday Parker, and he doesn't realize she has powers and she can like crawl around and stuff. So she whips away.
0: Oh my God.
1: She just ha 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 thwipping. Thwipping. Thwipping around, and she ends up in an alley. And he finally catches up to her and is able to track her down. But you see, Spider-Man twenty ninety nine change into chameleon. And he's meeting with other bad guys, like like Rhino, Green Goblin, whoever you want it to be. And they're talking about, and they're relaying message to Fisk in prison. But remember, Fisk has a lot of people in his pocket, and he's going to be getting out of prison. So Miles tells everyone about Chameleon, and the only person to believe him is Gwen. But Peter B. gets mad because he potentially put his baby in danger. He let, it, he let the baby escape. And so Gwen decides that she's going to help him find the real Spider-Man 2099. So they find the real him. They free him. He tells them he secretly knows how they will defeat Fisk, which is why Fisk decided to have Chameleon go after him in the first place. And then, you know, big final battle. Fisk has remade the Collider, trying to destroy all Spider-Men and women while getting his family back. Big battle, big battle. And then... In comes Doc Ock as, you know, the superior spider because they've gathered them all. However, she has only come to help because she wants to take over the collider because Fisk has been taking credit for her idea and claiming it as his own. But the only way for them to win in this fight is for her to give Peter his life back and die, which she does. And so this dimensions, like, Peter comes back, he helps the team defeat Fisk, and then to get back at Fisk, Spider-Man 2099 traps him in purgatory. And in purgatory, he constantly sees the vision of why his family left him. Oh, God. Over and over. (laughs) And then everybody, you know, stabilizes the universe again, and ta-da!
0: That's dark. I like it. You like it? Yeah.
1: Did I get stuff comically accurate?
0: Fuck that. If you're watching this, listening to this, and you're thinking, well, that doesn't work with this comic, and grow up. All right? It's an adaptation. It's not the next comic.
1: Yeah, and I'm not too well-versed in the comics, but anyways.
0: No, you did great. Thank you. So mine is called spider-man inheritors this movie would open up right where the previous ended showing miles heading through a portal with gwen to give us a scene of gwen and miles spending time together showing miles growth as spider-man and discussing some of the crimes and villains he's dealt with lately after spending the night in gwen's universe miles goes home bringing gwen for a breakfast from his universe upon returning to his universe he finds the city is in chaos and a mysterious enemy is attacking and screaming, bring me the totem. Miles and Gwen attack and are both nearly beaten to death when Morlin, the mysterious enemy, opens his mouth and begins to eat Miles, but not eat him like put him in his mouth. I'm thinking more like uh, the Dementors from Harry Potter. Who's Morlin? He's one of Spider-Man's bad guys. Okay. So he's like sucking out.
1: He eats souls. He's a real Shang Tsung.
0: Well, there's a whole kind of background to that, but before Moreland has gone too far, Miguel O'Hara swings in to extract Miles and Gwen into another reality. Defeated and confused, Miles and Gwen are told Moreland's history by Miguel and informed that when Peter Parker was shoved into the Collider Beam by the Green Goblin, his presence was detected by Moreland and the rest of the Inheritors. Ever since this event, Miguel has been collecting spider people and hiding out in an area outside of reality, known as Madam Web's Parlor. Here, Miles and Gwen would reunite with Spider-Ham, Spider-Man Noir, Peter B. Parker, and Penny Parker, as well as meet several other spider people including Spider-Punk, Superior Spider-Man, Captain Universe Spider-Man, etc. just whoever you want to have in there. The Spider-People all begin to wonder what the plan is, looking to Miguel as he's the one who's gathered them all. Miguel reveals he has no plans to return to the fight as Miguel has already given up on the hero life, but was brought here by a cosmic being known as Madame Web and directed to save the Spider-People before he could return home. The Spider-People protest this and demand that Miguel allow them to fight back. As they surround Miguel and they are overlapping demands are being heard in his head Miguel has a panic attack and it's revealed why Miguel gave up on being a hero which was due to his failure in stopping a terrorist attack which caused an injury to his pregnant girlfriend after this failure he believed he would never live up to the original spider-man of his universe and he does not deserve to inherit the mantle of spider-man miles is eventually able to get through to Miguel as he also has struggled with the feeling of failure in living up to Peter Parker of his universe but echoing the leap of faith speech he is able to convince Miguel that he has an army at his side and they have a united responsibility to be there for their worlds, even if it means they have to defeat Morlan first. So then the Spider-People split off into different groups to hunt down Morlan, ultimately defeating him as they learn he has a particular weakness to an ability unique to Miles, the Venom Strike. Uh, Morlan is taken by Miguel to be locked away, but in an end credit scene, Morlan laughs as Miguel is putting him away, claiming they haven't done anything, and Miguel has brought a beacon to his home as Moreland's family is on the way, and that would roll into another movie.
1: So, do you, is all of this based on? I mean, I really like it. I feel like a lot of this is like bits and pieces from different comics.
0: Well, so Morlin is called an inheritor and there's this whole backstory where the inheritors have been around for centuries and they eat these things called spider totems. And spider totems are like these spirits that live within basically the spider people. Like it's it's this whole thing where Spider-Man wasn't just accidentally chosen by this spider. It's that he has a spider totem inside of him
1: mm. meant
0: to do all this. So. All of that backstory is there, but my thing is, I was trying to make it one of those, like, it can appeal to general audiences where you maybe don't have to know that.
1: I mean, I really like it. It's really, really good. Thank you. I think it's way better than mine.
0: No, no. That's uh, not for you to decide.
1: Marvel, you gotta hit this man up. (laughs) You email us and we'll get on board, all right?
0: Email's coming up here. So thank you for making it this far. We hope you enjoyed. If you were able and willing, please share our show with someone, leave us a review, and come back for more next week. If you'd like to vote on whose sequel idea was the best, come by our YouTube channel for the polls, or let us know your idea with a comment, tweet, or you can reach us at needlesssequel@gmail.com. Links, as always, will be wherever you're listening. All right, be easy, everyone. We will see you next week.